1: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Frank. Hope you're doing well today. Wanted to have a little talk with you today about the kind of citations that are issued by OSHA, what to do with them, how to respond to them. Maybe not get to all those topics today, but wanted to have a discussion about those things. And and first and foremost, Frank, I, I mean, you really <laughs> probably should pay attention to those citations, and probably should take some action when those citations arrive. Would, would you agree with that general concept, Frank?
2: You know, it's pretty funny that you say that. But one of the issues that I see frequently is an employer knows a citation's coming or suspects a citation might be coming, but doesn't put anybody on notice to be watching for it. And, and as you know, John, there's a timeline on these things. The clock is ticking. 15 working days to do something with it once OSHA has proof that it's been delivered. But sometimes it'll go to a security guard or, or some kind of receptionist, or or maybe somebody checks the mail and uh, they're they're just in the general shop and don't really pay much attention to the letter. But w- we've had cases where employers don't find the citation sometimes for months, for months, which is well beyond the fifteen working days and. As you know, John, and as many in the industry know on the employer side, if uh, you don't respond uh, in one way or the other within that 15 working days, then the employer is generally stuck with that citation. Now, there are ways to address it that sometimes work, but generally, the default is the employer stuck with that citation and has probably missed abatement deadlines uh, if they haven't found that citation for a period of weeks or months, has probably missed abatement deadlines by weeks or maybe months. And uh, that can be very expensive uh, with, a, with a, a abatement cost of uh, up to $15,500 per day for 30 days. That's almost half a million dollars worth of mistake.
1: And you raise a good point, Frank, and and I, I don't know what your experience has been, but I had two inspections recently out of the Houston South Area Office where citations were issued at the end of January, and for whatever reason, they actually were hung up with the Postal Service, and um, OSHA reached out because they knew that we were involved in those inspections, And said, hey, look, you know, these appear to be hung up at the post office. Would y'all accept the citations and service the citations via email? And, you know, because we had good relationship with OSHA through the inspections, we agreed to it. But, you know, you're, you're spot on. I mean, oftentimes it's a mail clerk or, you know, some other person who, you know, is going through things doesn't prioritize things, and it, you really need to put the person who normally receives your mail, normally processes your mail at a minimum on uh, notice to be looking for something from U.S. Department of Labor OSHA.
2: While it's pretty burdensome to remember uh, to tell a temporary employee or, or somebody who's substituting in for a mail clerk position, it's, uh, it's, it's important uh, that whoever is going to receive the mail on any given day over the the window when you think you're going to receive that citation to be on the lookout. Bolo, as they say on that uh, TV show, NCIS. Well,
1: and, and, and I mean, not to go down memory lane or war story lane as the case may be, I had a case about 10 years ago where the client had shifted their mail delivery from the physical address to USPS post office box. And you know, we're we're kind of wondering, you know, where are the citations? Where are the citations? We didn't know that this change had taken place. And you know, we ultimately reached out to OSHA saying, okay, look, you told us citations were coming. You know, we're now at the six-month deadline. You know, kind of where are the citations? And they said, Well, we sent them to whatever the physical address was. Well, sure enough, the only thing in that mailbox was the citations hadn't been checked for weeks or months, but, you know, nevertheless, employers heed the warning, you know, be on lookout for mail and and make sure anybody and everybody who would, would reasonably be expected to to receive the mail actually gets them.
2: That's another good point. And I I won't interrupt you again. I'll let you transition to your next topic, but I've had that happen a couple of times too. And, And for anyone who hasn't been part of an inspection, uh, OSHA at the opening conference will ask for the mailing address. And that's an important piece of information to make sure you give them the right information and you remember what you told them because that's likely where they're going to mail a citation. A thorough compliance officer might ask again at the end when they do the final closing conference after they say what citations, if any, they're recommending to the area director might again confirm the address. So. Uh, remember that wherever they're being sent uh, and whoever's manning that mailbox or whoever's watching that mailbox, sorry, needs to make sure that they look out for that Department of Labor correspondence.
1: When citations are received, we, and I'm sure you've had the exact same experience, we we get tons of questions about, you know, kind of what they mean, how they work, so on and so forth. So, So, for our audience, let's get real basic. So you've already mentioned you have 15 business days after receipt of the citations to do something. When does that 15 business day period of time actually start? Well, for for accounting purposes, what, what's the first day you count?
2: So the 15 working day period begins the day after the employer receives that letter uh, from OSHA that encloses the citation. And that citation is going to be sent in some form or fashion where OSHA is able to document the date that it was delivered to the employer. So, for instance, if it was delivered on, let's say, March 21st, that's the day of delivery, Then day one of the 15-day working period is March 22nd. Day two, March 23rd. Day three, March 24. And it's 15 working days. Working days excludes weekends. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, And I say that for the lawyers listening because often Saturdays and Sundays are working days for us but not for the federal government. It excludes Saturdays, Sundays, and federal holidays.
1: And Frank, in that 15 business day time period, what options does the employer have in terms of actions it may take relative to the receipt of the citations?
2: So generally there are three options an employer has once they receive the citation. The options are actually laid out by OSHA in in its letter to the employer that encloses the citations. But those three options are uh, accept the citations as written, uh, which requires the employer to uh, engage in any required abatement and to pay the assigned penalty associated with the citation or citations. Option two, and this is the option that every compliance officer in the last five years I've ever talked to has has given during the closing conference, is to have an informal conference with the assistant area director, which requires the uh, employer and or an employer representative to meet with the assistant area director, and sometimes the area director, to have an informal conference. And during that informal conference, try to settle the citations uh, often for reduced penalties, sometimes for adjustment of abatement deadlines, abatement uh, expectations or requirements, and sometimes for withdrawal of citation items altogether. And then the third choice is an employer may file a notice of contest and a notice of contest must be filed again within that 15 working days must be served on the area director, and I said file, but it, that notice of contest must be served on the area director within 15 working days, specifying what the employer is objecting to, uh, and by filing that notice of contest, it puts that citation into litigation, meaning that, and this is a subject for a different podcast, but it means that there'll be litigation that involves the Department of Labor attorneys before an administrative law judge uh, with the review commission of course anytime after that notice of contest is filed uh, you can still enter a settlement agreement with OSHA it's it's just that the right to challenge the citations is preserved through that notice of contest
1: frank with respect to the the, the citation we refer to them and what OSHA refers to them as the citation packet because it includes a number of, of documents. Is there anything that has to be done with the citations or the citation packet during that 15-day period of time after the employer receives those citations?
2: The expectation uh, upon receipt is that the employer posts the actual citations and on the employee bulletin board, uh, typically where the employer communicates with employees, the employer can redact the penalty amounts uh, when it posts those citations. That's an expectation of OSHA that it gets posted. If the employer seeks to have an informal conference with OSHA, then page four of the citation packet, typically it's page four of the citation packet, is, contains a notice to employees of plan to have an informal conference with OSHA, and it, you, the employers expect to list the date and time and post that on the employee bulletin board uh, near the citation where the citation was posted. In the situation where there is a union uh, present, then the employer is expected to serve the citation on the union representative. And if there's going to be an informal conference, the employer is expected to serve that notice of informal conference on
1: the union representative. Frank, from the standpoint of scheduling the informal conference, we'll go into details about informal conferences in another podcast, but in terms of scheduling it, how does an employer actually do that? To
2: schedule an informal conference the employer is expected to call the area office. In that, in the letter enclosing the citation packet, the area director includes the telephone number where the employer calls. And typically, the employer will reach a some type of administrative clerk or, or maybe a, an enforcement officer who is who is sitting at the desk on a rotating duty and will will seek to schedule uh, an informal conference within the 15 working day period we discussed earlier. During that call, uh, we typically will ask, just to confirm, we'll ask that duty officer or the clerk what OSHA has listed as the notice of contest date. And every time without fail, I say every time without fail, except for one time I can specifically remember because the clerk had trouble calculating it, They will give you that notice of contest date, and I always write it down and calendar it to make sure that we don't go past that deadline. Because uh, once that deadline is passed, even if you're in negotiations with OSHA, uh, but if you haven't reached a final settlement agreement by the time that deadline passes, then that citation becomes a permanent order of the review commission.
1: So Frank, is it necessary for an employer to actually have an informal conference if they want to just go ahead and contest the citations?
2: That's a really good question. Uh, we we get that question a lot, but no, an employer is not required to have an informal conference with the area office before filing a notice of contest. Candidly, uh, and I've had this happen you know, probably less than 10% of the time, but I've had it happen with a reasonable degree of frequency where we're just unable to get the informal conference scheduled, or there may be other extenuating circumstances that make us believe an informal conference would be inappropriate. And in those situations, uh, we typically go ahead and file the notice of contest and uh, proceed uh, into litigation. And typically, as you know, 99% of the time thereafter, we'll settle it before trial, sometimes settle it before the actual complaint even gets issued.
1: And Frank, like I said earlier, we'll, we'll go into the informal conference later. I've had the experience in a couple of the cases, like you kind of described in your last answer, where, you know, particularly with regard to uh, timing, where, you know, somehow, some way the citation kind of slipped through the cracks and the employer finds out with a day or two left that they got the citations and, and I've reached out to the area office and, you know, basically said, look, we're going to file a notice of contest, but we'd still like to hold an informal conference with you. Can you hold the file for a little bit so we can maybe have an informal conference and and, and see if, if we can get something worked out And, and, and typically the area offices that I've worked with under those circumstances have agreed. Has that been your experience as well?
2: It really has. Uh, I think that th- that happens more times than I've really kept track of. But the employer, here's what happens frequently where the where an employer gets nervous is, OSHA might say that the citation issued on March third, but the employer doesn't receive the citation until March twenty first. Well, technically, March twenty first starts the starts the fifteen working days, but because 15 working days from March 3rd to March 24th, is that's the 15 working days, right? I've had situations where employers have gotten nervous about that, especially if there's trouble reaching OSHA or setting up an informal conference during that period. Recently, I think OSHA changed over some of its computer systems, some of its computer operations, and we've had some challenges getting informal conferences set up. They were acute cases, not chronic, and I think it's resolved now. But yeah, I agree. With you. There are a variety of instances that are that are pretty innocent. While well, you might file that notice of contest just to preserve the matter, and then uh, in in filing that notice or serving that notice of contest might also include, hey, would would like to try to resolve this, but we want to preserve our rights and. So if UO uh, should be willing to hold this letter for a couple of days before for, uh, forwarding to the solicitors, uh, we th- we think we can get something done. And the solicitors on their part sometimes don't like that type of delay and different offices have different feelings about it. So if anybody ever asked in an area office to hold a notice to contest letter and the area office said, no, I, I I don't tend to take it personally. I figure it's just their comfort level with with how they manage the system, let's say.
1: A lot of times, and seems more so recently than in the past, the citation packet includes kind of a early settlement proposal and it kind of couches itself in the form of this is our best and final offer. Is that your experience that that those settlement offers that come with the citations are in fact the best and final offers you're gonna receive in that case?
2: So you're talking about the expedited informal settlement agreement, and all the EISI, uh, EISA is that expedited informal settlement agreement. All that is is a, a decent reduction in the overall penalty. So, say the the penalty was fifty thousand dollars. Typically, they'd give you a forty percent reduction. So instead of paying fifty thousand, you'd be paying thirty thousand. But the employer is still agreeing to take every single one of the citations and citation items and agrees to abate each of the alleged violations by the abatement date so it's only a reduction in penalty it's not any improvement on the alleged violations and the the problem with that as we've talked about in some other cases or some other podcasts is Once an employer takes that expedited informal settlement agreement, they now have each citation and citation item on their record that sets them up for future heavier violations, right? Because with a repeat on something that they accept in an EISA, uh, they can be cited 10 times, up to 10 times uh, the max penalty. $155,000 range is the maximum right now. So while it might look like a a good deal on a good discount, in my experience, there's often more value in, in understanding the citations, what OSHA alleged was a violation, and then trying to make adjustments to those citations to, to have better outcomes for any
1: future events. Now, Frank, the citations include verbiage that relates to Payment of the penalty amounts and and the abatement date, and, and they set dates certain for both. And in some cases, they set abatement dates that are prior to the expiration of the fifteen business days after receipt of citation. Does that mean that the employer has to either pay the citations or pay the penalties prior to the informal conference, or abate the conditions prior to the informal conference if an informal conference is requested?
2: Not in federal plan states in Region 6. There are some state plan states that do require compliance with those deadlines, but not for federal OSHA plan, not not under the federal OSHA plan in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. So an employer that receives citation and and say they've received the citation on, say, uh, March 21st and it says abatement is due on march 24th Uh, an employer still has 15 working days to either accept the citation to file a notice of contest or to engage in an informal conference the problem is if an employer accepts a citation but gets past the abatement deadline uh, and doesn't go and negotiate a different settlement and doesn't contest it then they could run the risk of missing an abatement deadline and being cited daily for failure to abate timely. But if an employer engages in the informal settlement conference process, then part of that informal settlement process is to discuss what the abatement dates will be. That's something that uh, an employer should consider when entering into a settlement agreement with OSHA is what abatement dates they could make. They could get the, uh, the issue abated by. If it's contested, then the whole case is uh, what lawyers call stayed, meaning it's just frozen in time. So uh, no obligation to pay penalties, no obligations to pay or to make any abatement arrangements uh, until the case is finally resolved.
1: From the standpoint of the receipt of the citations and the verbiage of those citations... Lot of employers, at least in my experience, kind of come back and, and, and fuss about, you know, essentially that, you know, OSHA has made certain determinations and they found me guilty. And, it, you know, all these horrible things are going to come from that. Could you explain to, to our audience what? those citations actually mean and, you know, whether they're actually a determination of some sort of guilt or responsibility or whether they're kind of like a speeding ticket where that is ultimately to be determined.
2: So the citation itself is an allegation of uh, alleged violation of the OSH Act, and it doesn't become a permanent part of an employer's record until the 15 working days expires with no action taken by the employer to either settle it or contest it, or at the conclusion of a, a settlement agreement, or at the conclusion of litigation following a, a contest of the case. Uh, until then, it's just an allegation, uh, like being like being charged with uh, a violation of law. But in, until it's gone through the legal process, it's not an admitted violation of law or it's not a confirmed violation of
1: law. We need to wind this down. And and I don't want to get into the notice of contest and the contest itself. Well, We'll talk about that another day in more detail. But if an employer gets to the point where there's an informal conference, they aren't able to reach a resolution and they do contest the citations, is there any value just in the act of contesting the citations that may come to an employer because dynamics have changed and access to information is more readily available?
2: If we were in court, I would object to that as a leading question, but that's right. Leading. Leading?
1: Come on, you're hurting my feelings, man. (laughs)
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's helpful. I appreciate it, John. Sometimes uh, OSHA has information in their file that they're not willing to share before we file the lawsuit, before we serve the notice of contest. Uh, and that information in the file can be very useful uh, because uh, any information that they're going to use to try to uh, to get the citations affirmed, they have to produce a, upon request um, during the contest period. Or not during the contest period, but after a case is contested and, and litigation begins. And that's very really, very valuable. We frequently find weaknesses in OSHA's case when we get to review their entire file. Remember, in most cases, the OSHA file is not put together by lawyers. It's put together by police officers on the street. And when we have an opportunity to look at it, there are um, often places, uh, let's say, where OSHA may be more motivated to compromise once we've pointed out some issues with their file. So there's a real change in leverage once we file that notice of contest in my experience.
1: Well, Frank, once again, it's been a pleasure chatting through these issues with you. I look forward to our next time and I look forward to talking about notices of contest and the impact of the contest and and informal conferences and all things OSHA. But uh, in the meantime, take care and be well, Frank.
2: Yeah, you too. Talk to you again soon, John.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast.